Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. Our discussion for this podcast series focuses on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including the business of pharmacy, development of leadership skills, career transitions, and more. My name is James Blackmer. I'm a pharmacy manager at Cleveland Clinic, and I will be your host today for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. Here with me today are Dr. Matthew Mon, the Director of Pharmacy over Telepharmacy at Dartmouth-Hitchcock Health, Dr. Marva Williams-Lowe, the Senior Director of Hospital and Clinic Pharmacy Operations at Dartmouth-Hitchcock Health, and Dr. Stacey Herman, the Chief Pharmacy Officer at Dartmouth-Hitchcock Health. Thanks for joining us today, Drs. Mon, Williams-Lowe, and Herman. Let's get started talking about today's topic, developing and managing a remote pharmacy verification team. Now, Matt, I know you've played a big role in developing this team. Can you tell us a little bit about how you've utilized remote order verification in your pharmacy? Uh, yeah, thanks, James. First, I wanted to mention that we're really, there are two things that are happening at Dartmouth, and one is related to COVID, and one happened a little bit earlier. And so we want to make sure that we talk about both and how they played together. So the first, if we were to go back in time, five years ago, uh, Dartmouth really felt like we needed to develop a remote order entry team that could serve all of our hospitals, uh, but also serve the hospitals in our region. So our telepharmacy group currently supports 24 hospitals that are in New England. And at the Academic Medical Center, the telepharmacy group covers our evening surgery and medicine queues and provides some additional overnight coverage. And you know, when we really think about our critical access hospitals, they utilize the remote order entry for our daytime pharmacy coverage as well as during overnights. And they found that there's a lot of utility for daytime coverage for vacations or FMLA or other time sensitive needs that come up. That's great. And can you uh, elaborate a little bit on the day-to-day responsibilities of these pharmacists? Is their role strictly focused on order verification or does it expand beyond verifying orders? Sure. Thanks. Yeah, we, we primarily focus on order review and verification. However, there are a lot of issues that come up that our pharmacists will also take care of. So as a doctor or a nurse calls into the pharmacy to ask for a question, instead of going to the basement, oftentimes, they would be connecting to us in our remote location. So we're taking questions about uh, drip rates or uh, compatibility of medications or just some further information on how to dose any particular product. So really, again, we think of it in terms of being available for any of the questions that might come up throughout the day. I like how you mentioned uh, the basement as, as I can relate at my current institution. That's where, that's where pharmacy lives as well. But it's interesting to think about that, you know, regardless of if they're in the basement at their homes or wherever their remote setup is located, that they can still be contacted and be able to uh, use the same information to provide responses to other healthcare providers in the hospital. I think a, a big question that I had coming into this was, you know, how do you even start transitioning people from on-site to uh, remote? And I think that 
you know, is likely a big question that somebody listening to this would have. Marva, as the Senior Director of Pharmacy Operations, what were some of the driving factors that moved you towards remote order verification? And can you tell us how you transitioned in that direction? Sure. Thank you, James. One of the driving factors um, for us was challenges with recruiting pharmacists in a rural hospital setting. Another was temporary coverage while training new staff or implementing a major project or service change. So these were some of the factors that we had to consider. And what we found was that the remote order verification process um, allowed us to provide support for planned and unplanned staffing changes allowed us to implement new technology at the Academic Medical Center, provided support for pharmacists to provide specific clinical services on site without limitations in clinical activities due to, and I'll do air quotes, uh, mining the electronic health record cues. And so it gave pharmacists the ability to focus on warfarin, vancomycin, vancomycin consults, renal transplant managing increased in order entry and order verification workload. And it also allowed pharmacists to have enough time to complete patient care rounding, medication management rounds, and other activities that we wanted to focus on. That's great that you're able to leverage these individuals to free up other time for other pharmacists to focus on some of those things. What were the overall goals for this transition and what were some of the metrics that you used to measure those goals? So I would say some of the main goals were we wanted to be um, able to say that we could successfully complete pharmacist training. We wanted to be able to successfully backfill open positions or fulfill any short-term staffing needs that we had. And as far as the metrics, we wanted to do a review of our order entry metrics. So really looking at pharmacists completing 30 to 35 order actions per hour um, for order review and verification. Um, we wanted to make sure too that our pharmacists could actively participate in patient care rounds, med management rounds, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, we also looked at turnaround time for order verification and errors with order verification. Those are definitely always important things for pharmacy to focus on. Has there been any transition in the approach or things you're looking at as COVID has taken an impact on your hospital? Yeah, absolutely. When um, COVID-19 happened early in the year, we decided to move to a model where some of our pharmacists would be on-site and some would work remotely and perform order entry and verification off-site. We developed a pharmacy surge plan with rotating pharmacists and leadership to help us conserve PPE and staffing resources. This also positioned us to adjust staffing as needed for a surge. Additional telepharmacy services were available to us if we needed them, but luckily we were fortunate not to have needed them to manage the COVID cases in our service area. But if we needed to tap into that additional telepharmacy services, we knew that we could. And those, just to break in, James, those um, extra resources, although they weren't needed for the Dartmouth system, we did end up getting uh, a contacted and providing some additional support for the Boston Hope Field Hospital. And, you know, that really helped us feel confident about our mission to support not just our own academic health center, but also the region as it was needed. 
And just a quick point of clarification that is, was, uh, can you elaborate a little bit on the Boston Hope Hospital and, and what that was? Yeah, thanks. So the Boston Hope Field Hospital was an effort by the city of Boston in order to stand up a COVID hospital. Um, several of these were opened up in large cities, mostly metropolitan areas around the country. And, you know, as often happens in disasters, there's not a lot of time to prepare. And so a good friend of mine, Chris Fortier, was contacted on a Monday of how to support this hospital that was, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but I think it was about a thousand patients and they were going to start seeing patients on Saturday. So he was contacted on Monday and they were going to see uh, their first patients on Saturday. And so uh, fortunately he gave me a call and we talked through how that might happen. And uh, we were able to form that collaboration and support their patients. And, you know, as in every a disaster. I'm really proud of the pharmacy community that can reach out and, you know, make sure that patients are taken care of in a safe and effective way. And this was a collaboration between not only Dartmouth, but also CVS and Massachusetts General Hospital. So it was a, it was a really great thing to happen. It's phenomenal to hear how some of those barriers that we may build up between different sites or, you know, different practice areas. I know you mentioned CVS you know, those completely fall down when we're all focused on one mission and taking care of the patients in our area. So that's that's great to hear. Transitioning a little bit, Marva, once your team decided to develop a process for remote order verification, what did the planning look like? And I'm really curious to learn what stakeholders were involved, what factors were were assessed, and how did you gather the information needed to move forward with the plan? Thanks, James. We we really included um, key stakeholders like nursing um, providers. Um, we wanted to make sure that IT was included in the planning and decision making for any changes to services that we were planning. Uh, we also include finance to help us determine cost savings or financial impact to any of the changes in services. Important for us also um, was to get pharmacist feedback we really look at the medication safety aspect, requests for services and order, order volumes in patient care areas. And so these were things that we all reviewed as part of the decision making to determine the appropriate areas that would benefit from remote order entry and verification. And just kind of adding a little bit more on that last point, were all areas moved to remote order verification or were, was it only certain locations uh, that were or transition to it? So we didn't move all of our areas, but we really went through a thoughtful process as to what areas could benefit and where we felt that we could appropriately staff and continue the services on site, but having the focus on patient care activities and then the offsite focusing on the remote order entry activities. So we really went through a thoughtful process to determine where and felt that we, we wouldn't want to support it through the entire hospital, but really make a thoughtful determination of how we would determine which areas we would utilize. Great. Thanks for sharing that process. I think another important aspect of operations and you know maybe one of the most important things to our staff is often scheduling. Um, I know scheduling and, and time cards are always the most important things uh, that come up with my team. Can you guys talk a little bit about what scheduling looked like for the group, how it changed, and how you 
made it work between the on-site and off-site groups. Yeah, James, I'll talk about the telepharmacy group first. And really, that schedule didn't change dramatically because most of our coverage is based on time of day and sort of pre-planned. And so that schedule didn't need to change a whole bunch. We really wanted to make sure that we maintained our ability to be flexible and plug any holes that might arise. Again, what we were anticipating is that there might be quarantine situations with family or personally. And again, fortunately, we didn't see any of those things come up within our group. So that was the telepharmacy piece. Marva, you can talk about the uh, scheduling for the onsite. Yeah, when we looked at what we would want to do for the onsite process, we wanted pharmacists to remain onsite for sterile product preparation oversight, uh, verification activities related to product preparation, and also to provide oversight for pharmacy technician management of the drug distribution system. So really whittling it down to what are the activities that we really need to have pharmacist oversight um, and presence. And typically, do pharmacists rotate through this remote order verification position, or is it a dedicated job role that you have uh, where they spend all of their time in the, the remote order verification job task? So we use, thanks, James, we use a model where we want all of our pharmacists to rotate through order verification and central pharmacy product checking roles. We found over time that this really allows pharmacists to have a good view of what is happening, not only clinically, but operationally, and provide you know, more appropriate patient care services. And if I can just add that really for the inpatient pharmacist that went remote for, for COVID, that's how that works. Our telepharmacy group does stay as a telepharmacy group and a remote order entry group, primarily focused on some of the outside hospitals and system hospitals. Very interesting. I know anything remote technology comes into play, so I'm sure that was a big factor for the successful implementation at Dartmouth-Hitchcock. Can you talk a little bit about how that was rolled out in this initiative? So during the COVID surge planning, we required staff to use department-issue laptops, and this is really not a new concept for us. Um, because we have pagers, cell phones, and laptops that we can deploy as needed. So given that we've done this in the past, we were able to utilize what we had existing. And we would rather use um, department-issued laptops where we know that staff have all the tools available to them as they're working remotely. And Matt, for the telepharmacy group, do they have dedicated equipment that they use to facilitate their job roles? Yeah, we, we set all of them up in their home offices with hospital-supplied equipment. We make sure that they have uh, high-speed internet, and you know they maintain that on their own. But all the equipment that they use to do their jobs is hospital-issued. And uh, specifically, we, we issue them desktops so that it can't be mobile, right? So that we're trying to take into Take into account, uh, we don't want someone at Starbucks that are, are doing orders. So, you know, all of that happens in a HIPAA compliant way. And, you know, that served as a little bit of a template when the staff on site needed to go remote because of the COVID planning. But as Marva mentioned, you know, staff have been very adept at this. I, I often think we, we think there are bigger barriers than there are. 
to being able to have a remote workforce. The truth is a lot of us have been working at home uh, for many, many years. And so just trying to put a little bit more organization around that and parameters around that. That's very insightful. I'd like to take a moment and zoom out a little bit. I think we've got a lot of good details on, you know, a lot of the processes that move this initiative forward. But I'd like to get Stacy's perspective as the chief pharmacist officer on how remote order verification fits into the organization's strategic plan. Thanks, James. I would say telehealth, and I purposely using the word telehealth and not order verification here, um, is very much a part of the Dartmouth strategic plan. As Marva mentioned earlier, we are in a very rural market, and so most of the surrounding areas are critical access hospitals. In fact, um, if you look at our system, there's a greater percentage of our system that is a critical access hospital than it is the academic medical center or other large community hospitals. And so the need to be able to provide expert services at all of these critical access hospitals is really imperative to stabilizing the region that we're in. Otherwise, all of these patients land at the academic medical center doorstep and we are out of bed capacity. And so um, telehealth is very, very much a part of our strategic initiative. So as I think about pharmacy in particular, you know, I think what COVID has helped prove is that pharmacy services, and I use that term more broadly, not just order verification, can happen remotely. And so, you know, as we think about the addition that's happening here at our medical center that is going to be up in two years, as we think about how do I support the other members in our, our critical access hospitals of the system, we are really looking towards telepharmacy to be a core component of that. From a cost perspective, you know, one of my goals is how do I provide great pharmacy services at the lowest cost? That may mean I'm using teleservices to do that. In fact, uh, we are actually in the planning stages right now to start to look at med rec done virtually via our telepharmacy team. Again, we don't have a local school of pharmacy close by. Uh, technicians we know nationally are hard to recruit for. So the only other option left really is pharmacists, which come at a premium cost. And so we know the med rec issue is not just here at the Academic Medical Center, it's across our system. And instead of putting in the infrastructure from a, a resource standpoint locally, which can be very, very expensive, if we centralize those services through tele, it lowers the cost to the overall system to do so. Matt and I have also had some very high-level conversations around what about antimicrobial stewardship? Again, as we think about critical access hospitals, they're not going to employ an ID pharmacist. So how do we bring that expertise of the academic medical center out to our region and be able to help support the region from a patient care perspective? So as I started this little conversation, I would say, you know, again, to me, the question is more about pharmacy services or telehealth services than it is just order verification. And then our ambulatory group, um, you know, when we when COVID hit, they went to all of their appointments being virtual. So again, healthcare is moving virtual. I think we're going to continue to find ways to deploy clinical services virtually and really look at who needs to be on site and for what do they need to be on site for. I'm sure other organizations like Dartmouth are running out of room and space is a premium. And so how do you put 
the areas that generate revenue on the medical center campus and move out the areas that really are support services and still can provide that great care just in a different mechanism. Yeah, that that's very insightful and interesting to hear how, you know, the the setup of the system almost, you know, forced you to think about telehealth early on. And now that, you know, the past 14 months or so with COVID, you've just been able to adapt that model into your current workflow. Um, and not only that, but looking at different initiatives on, you know, how do we continue to push the thread here and be on the cutting edge of telehealth and provide the top-notch pharmacy services, as you alluded to. Definitely some very exciting stuff there. If other chief pharmacy officers were listening to this, what recommendations would you have for them to, you know, help move them in that direction as well? So I think the first question any chief pharmacy officer needs to ask is really what's your scope and what is your goal? Because the answer is going to be different depending on what that is. And what I mean by that is, is your goal just to support your health system? If so, you may be looking at just centralizing resources to support your system and everybody's in the same EHR and that's great. Is your goal to help support not only your system, but your region, which means you now are looking outside your health system at other organizations on different EHR platforms. The technology implications to that are very, very different. Uh, So we, for example, do not use Epic um, in our telegroup because they are supporting 24 other hospitals. They have a third party vendor that supports them. So I think that's the the big question that needs to get answered is what is it that you're trying to achieve? And I think closely behind that is thinking through the reimbursement pieces of that. So with COVID, the federal government changed uh, regulations around telehealth payment. I know in the state of New Hampshire, the state also changed their payment model around tele. And so knowing that many organizations also are billing pharmacy services, you need to understand those implications around billing as it relates to tele, which is different than our normal billing process. So making sure they understand that uh, is incredibly important. And then lastly, I think that the other big piece is, you know, from an operation standpoint, how many states do you want to do this in? There are some very large health systems that span multiple states. And so as you think about your coverage area, obviously there's licensure impacts. In some states, you know, a telepharmacist license is very different than an actual, uh, I'll call it an on-site pharmacist license, if you will, or a practicing pharmacist in the state. And then we layer on top of that the COVID implications, right? So reciprocity change with uh, COVID and what states were allowing in and out in terms of licensure. So I think, you know, making sure you fully understand the landscape that you're going into is incredibly important as well. Yeah, I think, you know, over the past year or so, we've seen incredible agility and a lot of the things that you discussed, reciprocity with licensure, payers, you know, uh, all of those things are, are moving a lot quicker than they have in the past. And it's, it's great to see that. And hopefully we can keep keep this going, even though, you know, it's uh, hopefully subsiding, knocking on wood over here. But I very much appreciate that response. I think to conclude, I, I just looking for kind of a, a round robin here and interested in everyone's perspective on, you know, what, what the lessons learned here were, what are some of the key takeaway points from not only your telehealth setup, but also the earlier remote order verification that was taking place? 
I would say that one of the lessons learned for us is the ability to have flexibility in providing services while we adapt to changing patient care volumes and acuity levels. That's a very important piece for us and improving staff satisfaction and flexibility in scheduling. I would say that's another area that we learned that um, we can significantly have an impact. Flexing our staffing up or down to re respond to staffing shortages or reduce patient volumes is something that we definitely learned that we could do. And, um, you know, planning for COVID and through um, planning for a surge, um, we definitely see that that's something that we have the ability to do. And one more thing I would add is a quicker implementation of services that would normally require recruiting new staff and that would take a considerable amount of time, as I mentioned and Stacy did in our rural setting. So that for us is, is a definite win. Just to echo what Marva said, I think some of the lessons over the last five years that helped us move pretty smoothly into the COVID era was that idea that you know pharmacy services can move and be flexible and trying to build in that flexibility, right? And that, that had to be very purposeful and at times necessitated some creativity. But at the end, what we were able to have is a system that could go up or down and it could really respond to the changes because you know, we didn't know what was gonna happen. You know, one, one day we were at our normal volume and the next week we were at 50% of our normal volume. And that, that's very difficult from a staffing standpoint. And certainly as that's moved, you know, none of us could have projected when those volumes recovered. And for certain hospitals, those volumes still haven't fully recovered, right? And so dealing with a long-term, let's say five to 10% reduction is a different problem entirely. And again, that being creating the tools ahead of time that allow you to be flexible around those volumes, I think has been a tremendous asset and very beneficial. And James, I would also add to what Marva and Matt said that I think one of the things we've learned over the years is that tele is great, but they're kind of always in the background. So it's almost like that sight unseen, forgotten kind of thing. So as we've had, you know, call sick calls or whatever, you know, everybody immediately starts figuring out how to readjust the schedule to and people take on additional work. And because tele isn't physically present, sometimes the first inkling isn't to go, oh, I'm just going to call the tele group and have them pick up the queue. And so I think, you know, as any new organization or any organization is looking at implementing tele, getting over that kind of added resource in the background because they aren't right in front of you, I think it can be a challenge in a good one that you just need to overcome because they are a great resource to have at the drop of a hat that isn't often thought about, especially initially. Yeah, I think it's almost that out of sight, out of mind saying, you know, you just, you're in a rush, you look around, see what resources you have and move forward with that. I have one more quick question. And I know, uh, Stacy, in your response, you alluded to some of the things that you're looking at moving forward in telehealth. But if, if everyone could look into their crystal balls for me, are there any other pharmacy services that you see, you know, in the future being able to happen remotely or through telehealth? Any thoughts there? 
The other one I would add is anticoagulation. And I think we're already seeing anticoagulation moving this way uh, because a lot of it's going virtual. So I think that's probably a prime area more on the immediate future, just nationally of what can go into the telespace. But I think there's a, a lot of them. Primary care, again, a lot of virtual visits, depending on, you know, if you're doing uh, blood pressure monitoring, <laughs> maybe, maybe not, depending on the patient. So I think even triaging who are those high-risk patients you need to see versus those that um, are less acute and um, can be monitored remotely. So, so if I can look back and look forward, I can, I'd say that there have been some really innovative things that have happened in the past. Um, I'm thinking about the Yale system and um, doing a lot of remote review of chemotherapy preparation and also order entry and review. You know, that's, I think, 10 years old, and we don't see that as the standard. And that, to me, is sort of surprising, right? That That is such an easy thing to, it kind of hit me in the face when they presented about it at ASHP. And I thought, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And, but why isn't it the standard today? And I think, you know, that's one example. I think of the principles of why telepharmacy works is a low volume work, but it, it, it's really high risk. And to me, that's also pediatrics. And so, you know, pediatric patients that come up at community hospitals or critical access hospitals, no one can have a pediatric trained pharmacist at a 25 bed hospital, but you put a lot of those together and you can have a service that, that spans across all of those hospitals. So, you know, not to give away all my secrets, but that's, those are some of the things that I've been thinking about, at, you know, looking behind and also forward that I would love to see in a, in a short amount of time, you know, five years, that those things are standard practice and we're seeing those things more widely uh, utilized. Yeah, and James, I would just add on to Matt's comments. I really think that from a hospital operations perspective, we really need to explore the sterile product piece. Um, there are many more tools available to us now that would allow us to do that from a remote perspective. And I think from the clinical side also, um, MedRec is something that we need to be explored a lot more. And, and geriatrics is another area that we're looking at. So, so there, there's a world untapped that we can look into for the future. And, and there's definitely more that I think that we can do. Well, I really appreciate you all sharing those gems with me. Um, I think, you know, that you guys are explaining the future of, of pharmacy services and being able to support more patients as you discussed or specific populations is gonna become extremely important. And, you know, rather than somebody driving an hour or two to come to an academic medical center, they can do it from the comfort of their home or, or their local medical access center. I think that would just really increase the amount of people we can see and the amount of people we can help. So thank you for sharing that. That's all the time we have today. I want to thank Dr. Herman, Dr. Mon, Dr. Williams Lowe for joining us today to discuss developing and managing a pharmacy remote order verification team. Join us here on Tuesdays where we will talk with ASHP members about leadership topics within pharmacy practice. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes 
access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.